Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. You're listening to Buffalo Shots Podcast. Hello again and welcome to another Horror Shots Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this podcast is brought to you by MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Be sure to check out that website for everything horror, from reviews to top 10 lists to interviews. I know they just put a whole bunch of great interviews up recently, so go check it out. It's really, really worth a read. If you love horror, you'll love Morbidly Beautiful. Now, I guess first off, I should start this episode by apologizing for not putting anything up on Friday. There is a reason for that. If you don't follow me on uh, Facebook, then you probably don't know what happened, but I got into a little car accident on Friday. Nothing serious, no real damage to the car, no real damage to me other than a little bit of whiplash, and I just kind of took the weekend to relax and try not to aggravate that as much as possible. So that's what happened there. So hopefully you can forgive me for that, and you get a little early week podcast this time. And I do have to get some housekeeping out of the way, and that would be, if you do want to contact me, you can do so at my website at horrorshots.com, on Twitter at horrorshotspod, or Instagram at horrorshotsphotography, and lastly, Facebook at horrorshots. Pretty simple. I'm open to all sorts of different ideas, suggestions, whatever you have going on, Feel free to let me know, comments, so on and so forth. And that does bring me to the last point before we get on to the cast today. And that would be, if you do want to leave a review, I'm not going to get in your way. Any review does help, as it does kind of play with the algorithm and helps me get found in this kind of topsy-turvy world of the podcasting universe. Now that does help with anything from showing up in searches to more listenership, which is just more fun for everybody involved. So if you could do that on whatever podcasting site or catcher or whatever you listen to, that would be fantastic. Good or bad, anything helps. Obviously, the better the review, the higher it's going to show, and the more likelihood somebody's actually going to listen to a five-star as opposed to a one-star. But it's totally up to you. Now, today's podcast is going to be on another demon, but not a specific named demon per se, although there is origins in a traditional named demon. Today we're going to talk about the succubus. Now you may not be overly familiar with the term, or you might be, it's really dependent on your knowledge of kind of obscure-ish demonology, although it does pop up in popular culture quite a bit. I know Supernatural has done an episode or two on the succubus, or at least I believe they have, and there was a show here in Canada called Lost Girl, I think, which focused on a succubus or potentially succubi. There might have been more than one in that show. Now, the succubus is a demon in female form or a supernatural entity in folklore, and that appears in dreams to take the form of a woman in order to seduce men, usually through sexual activity. Now, there is a male counterpart to this, and you may be more familiar with this word or this name anyway, and that would be 
the Incubus, like the band, Incubus. It is pretty much the male version of the female sex demon. Religious traditions hold that repeated sexual activity with the succubus may result in the deterioration of health or mental state, or even death. Modern representations have a succubus appear or not appear in dreams, and is often depicted as highly attractive, such as a seductress or an enchantress. Whereas in the past, succubi were generally depicted as frightening or demonic. Now, the word itself is derived from late Latin succuba, meaning paramour, or succubere, to lie beneath. Uh, sub, meaning under, cubere, to lie in bed. Used to describe the sleeper's position to the supernatural being, that's where that comes in. It's on top of you. Now, the word succubus originates from roughly the late 14th century. In folklore, uh, the succubus is depicted in the Jewish mystical work Zohar and the medieval rabbinical text Alphabet of Ben Sira. Lilith was Adam's first wife, who later became a succubus. Now, that may or may not be true, but it does hold water, considering I did a podcast dedicated to Lilith, which is one of the more popular ones I've ever done, actually. And it did say in many sources that Lilith was potentially the very first succubus. Now, she left Adam and refused to return to the Garden of Eden after she mated with the archangel Samael. In Zoristic Kabbalah, there are four succubi who mated with the archangel Samael. There are four original queens of the demon, Lilith, Aishith, Agrat Bat Mahalat, and Nama. A succubus may take a form of a beautiful young girl, but closer inspection may reveal deformities on her body, such as bird-like claws or a serpentine tail. Now, how you missed that at first sight, I do not know. But, you know, when a guy gets a little happy, sometimes you just stop thinking. Folklore also describes the act of sexual penetrating as a succubus as akin to entering a cavern of ice. And there are reports of succubi forcing men to perform cunnilingus on their vulvas, which drip with urine and other fluids. Yummy. In later folklore, a succubus took the form of a siren. Throughout history, priests and rabbis, including Haniena, Bendosa, and Abai, tried to curb the power of the succubus over humans. However, not all succubi were malevolent. According to Walter Mapp, in the satire, Trifles of Courtiers, Pope Sylvester II was allegedly involved with a succubus named Meridiana, who helped him achieve his high rank in the Catholic Church. Before his death, he confessed his sins and died repentant. Now, there is some potential for these demonic creatures to reproduce, even. According to the Kabbalah and the school of Rashba, the original three queens of the demons, Agrat, Bat Mahat, Nama, Isish, Zenumen, and their cohorts gave birth to children, except Lilith. According to other legends, the children of Lilith are called Lilin. According to the Malus Maleficarum, or the Witch's Hammer, written by Heinrich Kramer in 1486, succubi collect semen from men they seduce. Incubi, or male demons, then use the semen to impregnate human females thus explaining how demons could apparently sire children despite their traditional belief that they were incapable of reproduction. 
children so begotten, cambions, were supposed to be those that were born deformed or more susceptible to supernatural influences. While the book does not address why a human female impregnated with the semen of a human male would not produce a regular human offspring, an explanation could be that the semen is altered before being transferred to the female host. Fair enough. King James, in his dissertation titled Demonology, refutes the possibility for angelic entities to reproduce and instead offered a suggestion that a devil would carry out two methods of impregnating women. The first, to steal the sperm out of a dead man and deliver it to a woman. If a demon could extract the semen quickly, the substance could not be instantly transported to a female host, causing it to go cold. This explains his view that succubi and incubi were the same demonic entity, only to be described differently based on the tormented sexes being conversed with. The second method was the idea that a dead body could be possessed by a devil, causing it to rise and have sexual relations with others. However, there is no mention of a female corpse being possessed to elicit sex from men. In Arabian mythology, yes, it goes all the way down there as well, the Karina is a spirit similar to the succubus with origins possibly in ancient Egyptian religions or the animistic beliefs of the pre-Islamic Arabia. A Karina, quote, sleeps with the person and has relations during sleep as is known by the dreams, unquote. They are said to be invisible, but a person with, quote unquote, second sight can see them, often in the form of a cat or dog or other household pets. In Omdurman, it is a spirit which possesses. Only certain people are possessed, and such people cannot marry, or the Kuriana will harm them. It has been kind of reported that people who have spent the night with a succubus, whether they know it or not, wake up exhausted after dreams of a beautiful woman or man, in the case of an incubus. They wake up exhausted, claiming a spiritual attack upon them. Now, there are some scientific explanations. Of course there are. There always are. But we're going to get into that in a little bit as I found some actual case studies that I'm going to read to you. So just hold on for that. I got a little bit more information on these wonderful creatures known as the succubus and incubus. Now, the following is from ancientorigins.net. Known by many names around the world, and over time, diverse cultures have spoken of vampire-like demons that feed off human energy and attack their victims at night. Two of the popular names in English for such entities are the incubus and succubus, or plural, incubi and succubi. Demons which attack their victims by pressing down on them, often while sexually assaulting them as well. So not a very 2019 demon, is it? The incubi is said to be the male form of the demon and is believed to assault women. The name of this demon comes from the Latin incubo, meaning nightmare, which has its origins in the Latin word incubare, or to lie on. This description is well suited to what the incubus does to his victims. He lies upon them, or crushes them. They are supposedly very hard to send away once they have chosen a victim. These demons can supposedly shapeshift, so their appearance differs, although they are often said to look human-like. It has been said the incubi may be especially physically attractive for their victims. Some say that the demons do not have a real corporeal form, but assume the appearance of a human via reanimation of corpses. The use of human flesh or supernatural abilities that permit the demons to take the shape of men 
who may be considered attractive and or known to their victims. Incubi have been written of in many texts and were especially popular in Europe during the Middle Ages. Unsurprisingly, these demons and some of their victims were also associated with witchcraft. The church proposed that demons were fallen angels who consumed by an insatiable lust for human women. With that in mind, some sources suggest that incubi prefer to prey on strongly religious women such as nuns. Medieval folklore said that there were nine times as many incubi as their female counterparts, the succubi. Now, the succubus, from Spirit Bride or Lie Under, is the female form of an incubus demon. Accounts of these demons appear in ancient Akkadian, Sumerian, and Greek texts. The princess of the demons is called Nahema. Succubi have often been described as exceptionally beautiful women, but sometimes with a bat or other flying animal wings on their back. As with the incubi, the succubi attack their victim at night and allegedly prefer religiously-minded victims as well. The succubi seek out sleeping men and are said to drain them of their blood, breath, life energy, and semen, even until the point that the victim could die. Some resources say that a succubus doesn't even need to be physically present in a man's room to attack. They suggest that the succubi can simply enter into a man's dreams and absorb their vital energies that way. Normally, these dreams are also of an erotic nature and lead men to experience deep sleep paralysis. There are even some legends that suggest the succubi and incubi are two forms of the same demon. So now that we've covered more or less all the physical features and how these demons work and operate, let's talk about the most famous one, or the potentially most famous one, in Lilith. Now, if you did listen to the last cast I did on Lilith about probably a year ago now, maybe more, maybe less, I'm not entirely sure when I put that up, but I did go over the fact that she may be the very first succubus and how she could be the mother of all demons. So mythology.net has Lilith listed here as a succubus, and it reads as such. Perhaps the most famous seductress of all time, Lilith is known as the mother of all succubi. She appears in Sumerian, Egyptian, Greek, Roman, Judaic, and Christian mythology. Lilith, sometimes called Lilithu, first appeared in Sumerian culture as the goddess of fertility and witchcraft. Later, the Assyrians and Babylonians associated her with dark demons. The Greeks gave her, known as Lamia, an extensive backstory. She was a beautiful woman who Hera transformed into a monster after her beauty attracted Zeus's roaming eye. In her new monstrous form, Lamia roamed the world seducing men and eating babies. Yummy again. This whole thing is full of Acentura-like yummies. It's just succubus, man. Crazy. Judeo-Christian mythology also puts their own spin on Lilith's legend. They described her as Adam's first wife, created at the same time as him. Unlike Eve, Lilith was no meek partner. She refused to honor Adam as her leader. Instead, she went off exploring on her own and discovered the Red Sea, where hordes of demons lived. The rebellious woman found that she liked the demons more than Adam, so she mated with them and began to, quote, bearing Lilium at the rate of more than 100 per day. These Lilium 
went out into the world as demons, some of them as sexy and independent as their mother. These became the succubi. We've gone over that the succubus and incubus have been in other cultures as well, not just Eastern, Judeo-Christian, or whatever religions. They go deeper than that. And we're going to get into some history now as well. Female sex demons have been around since the dawn of folklore. They can be found in cultures all over the world. India has the Yakashini. Arabia has the Karina. Native Americans have the Deer Woman. China has the Mogwai. And Greece has Lamia. It's impossible to know which of these legends came first. Most likely, they all evolved separately around the same time. And I did go over this in a podcast long, long ago. I'm not even sure if I still called it the Horror Shots podcast at that point. But I did find it fascinating that Culture A and Culture B have very similar mythologies or folklores or legends that developed around the same time, despite there not being any sort of collusion. It would be impossible for the ancient Greeks to know what the Indians or the Chinese called their sort of sex demon and have the same backstory and the same or similar sort of origins. It's fascinating, and it kind of lends a little bit of credence to that these tales might just be true or based on something very true. That's just a little side note. While we know that the word succubus, which is a combination of Latin words, popped up around medieval England, by the late 15th century, these she-demons were well-known and often discussed by theologians, who tried to explain their origins, their ability to reproduce, etc., etc., Later, succubi popped up in witch hunts. Women who tried to seduce men were accused of being a succubi, or succubus, rather, in disguise, while women who became pregnant outside of wedlock were accused with consorting with incubi. During the Renaissance and Romantic period, interest in grotesque, subversive female demons declined. Instead, artists shifted their attention to Greece's Lamia, who was both beautiful and unfairly cursed. It wasn't until the rise of the Gothic literature that the succubi began to reclaim the spotlight, but they were still changed from their original form, being more beautiful and intelligent. Now, there are some modern appearances that have been a little bit different than, say, the traditional. Succubi still have a place in fantasy and science fiction. They've appeared in various works from Stephen King, Orson Scott Card, Jonathan Stroud, and Stephanie Meyer, unfortunately. On that last one, not a fan. Not a fan. Now, surprisingly, the succubus shows up even more in visual genres like comic books and video games, where their quote-unquote hot body and strappy leather costumes can attract a lot of attention. But you do know what they say, sex sells. Now, before I leave you, I want to read you some very serious stuff. And that may sound facetious, but it's not. This article comes from the United States National Library of Medicine, the National Institutes of Health. So these are some case studies that were done for people who had experienced the succubi or incubi phenomena. It goes as such. The succubus is understood to be a Lilian demon in female form or supernatural entity that appears in dreams to seduce men, usually through sexual activity. The descriptions of the same can be traced back to the folklore of medieval times. The male equivalency of this is known as the incubus. Many anthropologists and psychologists believe the explanation of succubus and incubus to be 
supernatural explanations for sleep paralysis and hypnagogic and hypnopompic hallucinations. Although there are few case reports of incubus syndrome in patients with psychotic disorders in literature, the description of succubus is lacking in psychiatric literature. In this report, we present two cases diagnosed with schizophrenia who had phenomena suggested of succubus. Case 1. An 18-year-old male from middle socioeconomic status who had no family history of mental illness presented with an insidious onset and continuous illness of three years' duration, characterized by delusions of persecution, delusion of reference, delusion of grandiosity, delusion of control, auditory hallucinations of commanding and disgusting type, thought broadcast, apathy, poor self-care, and marked socio-occupational dysfunction. In addition to these symptoms listed, he elaborated about someone having sexual intercourse with him against his will. On mental status examination, the patient appeared to be very much distressed with his psychopathology. He described the phenomenon of auditory hallucination, commanding and discussing type, and thought broadcast. In addition, the patient explained that at night, when he would go to his bed, he could feel the sensation of being touched by a female, whom he would describe as a good-looking woman. He would be able to feel his private parts being touched, leading to erection and ejaculation. As per patient, he did not want this experience. This would happen against his will, would feel guilty about having such an experience and having sexual contact with an unknown female, and he was fully convinced about having such an experience. Very occasionally, he would get up from his sleep after this experience and remain distressed and fearful. In his explanation, he had a strong belief that a witch was doing so, but would not be able to point out the exact figure of said witch. His cognitive functions were intact, and he had poor insight. There was no suggestive history of narcolepsy, insomnia, hypersomnia, sleep terrors, nightmares, sleep-related movement disorders, and sleep paralysis. Symptoms suggested of DAT syndrome, panic attacks, post-traumatic stress disorder, cognitive deficits, and recent changes in medication. Based on the available information, a diagnosis of schizophrenia was considered. His investigations in the form of hemogram, renal function tests, liver function tests, serum electrolytes, thyroid function tests, electroencephalogram, and magnetic resonance imaging of brain did not reveal any abnormalities. He was started on aripiprazole, which was increased up to 15 milligrams a day, with which all his symptoms, including the phenomenon of the succubus, improved completely. He would now report lack of any such experience, but was not sure about the previous experience being real or part of the illness. The last case study I'm going to read you here today is about a 24-year-old male who has been using cannabis in dependent patterns presented with an insidious onset and a continuous illness of two years' duration, characterized by the delusion of reference, delusional percept, delusion of love, auditory hallucinations, and tactile hallucinations. At presentation, on mental status examination, he was untidy and ill-kempt, had blunt effect. However, there was no formal thought disorder. When asked about his psychopathology, he ascribed the voices heard to one of his female teachers, who would express her love towards him in the conversation heard as part of the auditory hallucinations. He also ascribed the tactile 
hallucinations to the same teacher. He described this as a sensation of vibration, which he would feel all over his body, more so in his thighs and genital region. This would occur mainly at night, when he would be fully awake or asleep and alone, would feel aroused and simultaneously hear the voice of his teacher claiming to be responsible for these sensations. As per him, he would hear that she is in a deep love state with him and wanted to have sexual intercourse with him, would feel his penis to be touched, and in the process would have an erection and occasional ejaculations. He'd be unable to describe exactly how she'd be doing this, but was convinced that she was doing so. He also believed that his body is under the control of his teacher, who forces him to indulge in sexual activities against his will. He would deny drawing any pleasure out of these activities, and would say that he was not able to avoid this experience. This experience was not associated with any active cannabis use or abstinence from said cannabis. At the time of mental status examination, his cognitive functions were preserved, and he had poor insight. Due to all the symptoms, he had to discontinue his education and became homebound. Based on the available information, a diagnosis of schizophrenia and cannabis-dependence syndrome was considered. He was sequentially treated with olanzapine, risperidone, trifluoprazine, and the combination of olanzapine and flufenzapine, decanoate, in adequate doses for adequate duration. He showed 40-50% to 50 improvement in auditory hallucinations, but no significant change in tactile hallucinations with these medications. Finally, he responded to clozapine in the dose of 200 mg per day. After being treated with clozapine, his insight improved. He would acknowledge that all his previous symptoms were unreal and part of the illness. So that just goes to show that even the medical field has experienced these sort of phenomena before and even have case studies to prove as such. Now obviously they have more medical explanations and it seems that these patients have been responding well to the medications prescribed to them. So does that 100% kill the idea of a succubus or incubus? Was everything that happened hundreds of years ago just unknown medical trauma? Potentially. Or maybe these people are suffering from the placebo effect. So they are taking medication, they think it's working, so therefore it does work. And maybe that is enough power to send the incubus or the demon away from their nightmares and their dreams. It's hard to say. One thing that surprised me about this article or about this research in general, was that apparently there are more incubus than there are succubus. Now that surprises me. I would have thought the complete opposite. Now that is one reference, that is one potential theory to look at. But the succubus has been ever-present. It's always mentioned a little bit more in these sort of research studies that I do. I always seem to find the word succubus outweighing the word incubus. Now, that may be because it's a male-oriented culture, and they can't have another way to explain these sort of feelings, so they blame it on a sex demon. And I guess you could say, again, that's typical men playing victim to women or blaming women for their downfall. That's one way to look at it. I'm not here to stand on any political sides. I just kind of look at it and say, hey, that kind of makes sense. And it kind of does. Men generally don't like to be wrong, especially old-timey men from the 14th and 15th century. But that does bring us to the end of the cast today. It's a little bit longer than I thought. 
I do apologize for that, but I wanted to make up a little bit for missing on Friday. So once again, if you did like what you hear, drop a review. If you don't want to, that's perfectly okay too. But until next time...